Welcome to the e-commerce made simple podcast. I'm Jerome, your host, the CEO and founder of e-commerce, the agency which helps brand grow on, on Amazon and e-commerce and which also makes e-commerce simple. We've had in that podcast the first session on strategy and the audits uh, you can make with the Compass tool. Now this session today about is about pricing and I'm hosting uh, Paulina Massen who's the founder of Shopkeeper and has done a lot of studies about how to uh, make the great pricing, how what, what the pricing uh, will have in terms of impacts of sales and okay how do you round numbers how do you look at okay what people when people will react best there's loads of uh, learnings on that podcast and Paulina really comes with an amazing amount of, of data and information so you should you will come out of this session with a lot of tips and you will want to go to your um, seller or vendor account and change uh, prices as much as you can to make sure uh, you can grasp more sales and grow also with a smart uh, pricing strategy let's say so this is really interesting uh, and obviously specifically for sellers because uh, with a seller account you control your end user prices with your vendor account you will not be able to control that but it's interesting to understand how uh, also amazon and the algorithm works and and plays with that pricing so once again sit down relax and listen in there's lots to learn today enjoy the show Welcome. Great to have you here. Uh, we've known each other for uh, quite some time now, and it's. I was. Uh, I was really looking forward to have a session with you one day. So this is the day. I'm excited. I hope everyone is. Um, so I, I. I like to start with. Uh, with having a bit of fun because we. We like to have fun. So, share us a fun fact about yourself. Fun fact. <laughs> That's. My fun fact is I used to work on cruise ships. Mm, that's a fun fact. That's okay. where I met my husband, and that's how I ended up in uh, Turkey, <laughs> out of all places. Really nice. That's the fun fact, right. And so. business-wise, fun fact, mm, I've been... So I went to China... <laughs> to Global Sources Summit and Hong Kong just before the breakout of the coronavirus and had a horrible, horrible fever in January, end of January, which now I believe was the coronavirus. <laughs> so you never know, you know, what can happen to you <laughs> at any time. Yeah. Yeah, well, that I, it's a half, half fun fact and half... Uh... Uh, sorry, so fact, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so anyway, personally, <laughs> yeah, so great. Can now on the less uh, fun fact um, uh, part, can you share a bit about yourself and about Shopkeeper and what you're going to talk about? Small introduction. So I'm the founder of Shopkeeper, and Shopkeeper is a profit dashboard. So it's very simply calculating a profit. And some people might think like, why do you even need to calculate your profit? Isn't it like very clear? Well, today I'll answer that question very well. So because I run Shopkeeper and do a lot of profit analysis for many sellers, I consult many and uh, we look at the each individual 
fee out of 72 fees and charges that exist. So I have a lot of expertise on what goes where and what's important and what's not so important when you're budgeting and thinking about your pricing. So we can talk about all that. And yeah, so that's where I am. I am actually an Amazon seller. And initially I built a prototype of this app, which is Shopkeeper today, initially for myself to, uh, to help myself with the, with the business. And later I hired a team and we built a successful commercial product that it is today. Great, awesome. Um, so I think you've got a very comprehensive deck of information. So if you want to share your screen, we'll get it started. That's right. Okay. So let me do it. All right. So I'll turn this off. And if anybody's got any uh, questions, please uh, type it in the Q and R or in in the conversation tab. Aravind, uh, welcome to you. Aravind is from India. Great to have you on. All right, so I'm sharing my whole screen. Uh, let me know if you can see it. It should say pricing fundamentals. Yes, we do. The floor is yours. All right. As I mentioned today, pricing is important at all. Like I'm just gonna look up a few competitors and just put a price and see if it sells. If it doesn't sell, I'm gonna adjust it. But actually, if you price it wrong, there are many things that can go wrong with you <laughs> with that, you know. So I'm going to go into what can go wrong as well if you price it wrong. So we'll go in it like a workshop today, okay? So it would be great if you have in your browser open Google Sheets as well um, and open Amazon and search for your main keyword for one of the products. So my suggestion is pick the product that is new. So if you're a new seller, think of the product that you have in mind that you're developing right now and thinking of what price to put. If you are an advanced seller and you have experience, just think of that next product that you are thinking of creating and keep that in mind. So go with one product that is most important to you on your mind right now. So, Jerome, do you want me to start with fun things or important things? Like Always fun, fun by, by default. Fun. <laughs> I knew it. Fun first. All right. So let's start with a little bit of pricing psychology, which is very interesting indeed. At least to me, I find it super fun. So let's talk about price endings. Now, you know this thing, the 99 endings you see everywhere, and now I'll talk about versus zero, zero. And you'll probably think, hmm, there's nothing new to me. Everyone is using 99 at the end. Well, just because it seems like a better bargain, right? Compare the two, 29.99 and $30. Simply, first one you read as 20 something, next one as a 30 something. Obviously, the first one is better. So that's just common sense. I'm not gonna teach you that common sense. You already know it. But what happened to us psychologically, because we are seeing this 99, 99, 99 everywhere, and um, like all the retail shops and all this 99. Now, what happened to us is that instinctively, by some instinct, when we see 99 at the end, we assume it's some kind of a bargain. And if there is not a 99 in the end, like a zero, zero on the right, you feel like there's hmm, something a little bit different, like it's either new or like more expensive or more luxury. It, it's, it doesn't give you that bargain feeling. 
And that's the whole key here. Now, there was a research done online. They compared two prices. They put $34 and $39. And actually, click-through rate into 39 was higher than into 34. And you will think, wow, that cannot be. It's like $5 extra. You know, people cannot just. But actually, when you have many, many listings, 34 and 39 doesn't stand together. You know, it's like 37, 99. Somebody else has like 41. Somebody has whatever. So mixed amongst those listings on Amazon, when you have a 39, it's more likely to get a click in because the 9, when you're skimming the prices between all many, many other prices, it implies some sort of a bargain. And it makes you click into it easier. Like 34 is more detracting you from that. So here's a trick you can use right away in all the pricing that you have at the moment. If you would use charm ending, charm pricing so-called, so these are five, sevens, and nines, that increases your click-through into the listing. Now, why sevens and five suddenly as well? Well, because I think some places like Best Buy or Walmart, they're using like 995, 995. So this is also very commonly used. 997, like many internet marketers are using like, you know, uh, 97, 67. They like to use sevens online. So nine, seven, and five are the most common endings for those who are trying to portray your price as a bargain. So right now, if you have something, let's say $32, so I would suggest switching it to 31 or 33. So to not only five sevens and nines, but also to the next odd number. Okay, so try to completely avoid even numbers and try to use the charm pricing as much as possible. That really helps with the click-through. And on Amazon, higher click-through equals higher conversions. And one question, now, Paulina. Yes. What would Ask like me. when uh, if you say like I have a problem with product which is fifteen, I would put it fourteen ninety nine. But so what would you say is is it best to have it fourteen ninety nine because it's close to the uh, odd number or change it to fifteen ninety nine? What's your take on that? Well, fifteen it's sort of on a you know 10 15 20 25 these are like the breaking points of the price it's a little bit additional psychology that goes into play there it's something called steps like the little bit you know if it's less than 15 i'll buy it easy if it's more than 15 i'll think about it a little bit more you know and these are the steps next step is 20 25 so at the breaks of the price is the strongest hesitation what happens so if you put it to 14.99 it's better than 15 in that case just because it's on the middle there. But when I'm constructing my price and if I come around to 14.99, I'll actually try to figure out, you know, I'll tell you the whole strategy, how to compare yourself to competitors and where to price it. But I would rather go with 13.99, not 14.99 to make it a stronger offering. But if you have to, because of competitors, to keep it 15.99, I would keep it there for... 14.99, it depends. If you show me your cell phone and I will scroll for the prices of competitors, I can go by the feeling, you know? If everyone is just like a little bit above 15, I'll definitely be uh, below 15. But if prices vary, if everyone else is like 17, 19, 11, there's no constant price, then I would definitely keep the 15.99 there. You know, okay. so it's also situational. It's it's not always like hard truth as it is. Okay. But and try to use that. If we take out the 15 rule and like 17, like if it's 17 euros, I would tend to do 16.99. But you think it's better to do 17.99 than 16.99, for example? 
Definitely. In that case, yeah, yes. Okay, so, Six okay. is a very detracting number. Yeah, 1699 will definitely go more better for you. Okay, first conclusion, yes. six is a detracting number. Okay. Yes, because look, 1799, you're already using two charm numbers, seven and nine. It's like extra good number choice. Yes. Okay. So it's just a bit of psychology. Let me talk about the endings. Many people, you know, try to invent all kinds of endings and think that, okay, let me use 11 because one, one is like a smaller number than 29. The price will maybe appeal as if it's smaller price, you know, or someone thinks, oh, let's use like 65, you know, some other reason they think of. But actually in the end, as you see from this table, the most profit you will make when you're just putting 99 at the end. And I would recommend not playing with the ending. Now there's two reasons. First reason, because when we are skimming many, many prices, we are just reading 29 something, 29 something, 29 something, 29. We ignore completely the other two because it's too much information to handle at the same time while you're skimming. And that's where the second point comes in. Second point is that you, try, you should try to make the price as easily comprehensible as possible. If you make my eyes squint like, 29, 27, uh, you know, I went once to this coffee shop and they had coffee. It wasn't 450 or 350. It was like 417, you know, and the other was like 349, you know, and you just like, your brain wants to handle it, but it takes an extra second or two to consume it. And you don't want that extra hesitation. It, it loses, it kills your conversions like that. So you should make it as common used as possible. So commonly used is 99 or 00 at the end. So just use the most common used and you'll make the most profit out of it anyways. So that's my recommendation on that. All right. Are we good to go to important stuff? <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll go it. Yeah. yeah, we'll do it. We'll do it. Let's get rolling. So there's such a thing called financial limitations box. Now, the green side is like the higher income level and the red is lower income level. So how most of us and probably many of you listening are thinking, okay, so usually that's how I decide my price. I'm thinking, okay, I'm selling a knife sharpener, how much I personally would pay for it. And I'm probably here somewhere like in this low green, I would probably say, okay, $36 is maximum I would ever pay for a knife sharpener. I don't think anybody would ever pay more, you know, but for example, my brother is, is sort of a bargain hunter and he would never spend more than like $22 for knife sharpener, you know? So many of us think only in that box and we say, okay, if I never going to spend more, who's going to pay more? I will not even charge more. I feel uncomfortable to charge more than 22. You know, you should completely forget yourself when you're putting your price, try to throw yourself out the window, climb out of a financial limitations box and only think about the market that exists there. Who is your buyer? Like what type of buyers you have? Do you have more of those luxury type of buyers or more of those bargain hunters? That's what you should think about instead of thinking about your own uh, threshold on that. Now you will say, Paulina, wait, so how do I know these buyers like who is buying my product how do I'm, am I gonna just guess it or what so okay I'll tell you about it so the three major types of buyers are the Scrooges those bargain hunters Scrooge is not a very nice word to use but I like to use it just simply describes <laughs> the buying behavior and there's the big spenders so this doesn't depend on the income level it you could maybe make no money 
and be a big spender. Or you could make a lot of money, be a millionaire and be still a Scrooge, you know. So it's about the behaviors, not about the income level. So me personally, I'm sort of a big spender because I... I am lazy to research. I go on Amazon.com. I just look at a few listings, nicer picture. Okay, I buy that. I just sort of ignore the price if it's reasonable. And let's take an example of bargain hunter. I mentioned my brother is a bargain hunter. So what he will do, if the item is more than $100, he will always do big research. He will go compare all coupon sites and he'll get the best deal possible online available and price match and so on and so on. So this is the bargain hunter type. Now, how these three bargain types, how these three types of buyers actually, uh, like how many of them do we have on Amazon? Well, we don't have exact number as an average on Amazon, but we have a research data from this Tightwoods and Spendthrifts uh, analysis. They analyzed e-commerce sites in general, and it seems like big spenders, there's 15% of them. Uh, Scrooge is 24 and in the middle is 61. Don't forget, this is very average data for many different categories. And now I will show you exactly how to calculate these numbers for your category. So we'll take your product category and we'll calculate what percentage of big spenders you have, what percentage of Scrooges you have for your category. But this data gives us a very good feel in the world, you know, how it's distributed. So it seems like there are less of big spenders and more of the average, you know, uh, and a little bit more of bargain hunters than the big spenders. Now, why it's even important to think who is your buyer before you even start thinking about designing a product? Well, you could develop two different products. You know, look, the one on the right is for the big uh, spender and the one on the left is for the bargain hunter. You know, if you already know you are going to target the luxury buyer, you will go to the manufacturer and you will tell them, all right, so please uh, add the stainless steel instead of this metal upgrade let's add the box and let's add the luxury velvet bag to it you know so upgrade the whole listing and make it amazing because you will be charging more for that so you have to provide the value now on the other hand if you're going to target the scrooges you will know that when you go to your manufacturer you know once you've done the analysis that i will go through today and you will okay let's strip this strip that make it cheaper 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 for me and there you will have that product and you can target the bargain hunters so it is important to know about your price and your target market before you even go to the manufacturer and design your product so let's do it together how we are going to do it here's an example for example, we uh, sell knife sharpeners, like I just mentioned, okay? So there could be three, three types of products. There's a $45 one for the big spender, 17 for average spender, and 11.99 for the Scrooge. Let's say these are the three typical options for those three buyers. And now, because of this percentage, right? There's the percentage here, 24%, 61% in the world, 15%. I just assume that we will sell 1,000 units in total of knife sharpeners, and that's how many sales we will make for each buyer type. Now, we will calculate how much profit per unit we will make. Well, because we have $45, we are, basing 40, we are taking 40% margin. And why 40% margin? Well, most private label sellers and on Shopkeeper, I see uh, a lot of different uh, sellers. Most private label sellers make between 30 and 50% margin. Most often 40% is what they target and what they make. Uh, 
So that's why I took an estimate here of took, taking 40% margin in for each of the press, and we are we see how much profit they make per unit each of these sellers. And very interestingly, monthly profit, when you take the 150 units sold at $18 profit, you see 2,700. Now, this comes out to look like the middle is the best place to be because there's 4,390 that seller is making a month in profit comparing to the one who's targeting the Scrooge is almost not making any money and the big spenders is not so much, right? So you are looking at this data and thinking, Okay, so it looks like I'm going to be in the middle. That's the best place to be, right, Paulina? And I will say, wait, but first you'll have to evaluate how many other sellers they're selling for the average spender. Maybe there's like 100 sellers selling in the middle and almost nobody selling for the big spender. You know, then the share of that bucket will be much bigger for you if you go to the right. So you'll have to make this whole calculation just like this for your product. And now we are going to start doing that. Okay, so we are starting with a blank and we will fill in how many, num how many sellers are selling in each of the buyer buckets for your product and what is the monthly profit that in your category other sellers are making. All right, so let's get ready. First thing to do, like I said, in the other tab, open Amazon.com and just search for your main keyword. In my case, knife sharpener. So I will be using Helium 10 extension, but you could do this manually if you will watch it later and keep pausing and follow through after you rewatched it just like that. So there's an option for you to just watch the whole thing and then do it again. If you don't have Helium 10, you can do it manually as well. I'll show you how. So with Helium 10, what we would do is we, we load it up and we load more results to get about 120 results. Now, if you start seeing at 120 that the results are irrelevant, for example, you are not knife sharpeners, there's many of them, right? But if you're selling something very, very specific niche product, there will not even be 120 results. So take as many results as it makes sense to have statistically significant enough uh, volume. So in my case, 120 is a good number to take. Just go by the feeling and eliminate those that are irrelevant to you, okay? So all we are getting at is in case of Helium 10, we will just click this download button to export the spreadsheet. So it's gonna take all of this data that it downloaded and export it. Now, if you're doing it manually, all you have to do is just to look up the price. So go through the first 100 results and just copy paste the price to your Google Sheet. So you'll be taking the price of that, price of this, price of that, and just keep copy pasting those, those prices. That's all you need to have, only the price column. Okay, that's why you can, uh, you can do it without this extension as well. So now once you have the exported file or you did it manually, what we'll do it, we'll paste the data to Google Sheets. We will also do two other steps. We will remove the slow sellers because we don't want it affecting our numbers. Why? Well, slow sellers will sell like one unit a month and it's going to have like a $25 price and it's going to make our data a little bit off, you know, because we are not going to look at how many units they sell at that point. So it's just going to not going to be statistically significant there. Maybe they're, they're not selling because they're overpriced. So we want to take those that are actually selling. That means they priced it well and they're selling. And we will remove the sponsored listings. Again, they're being boosted by PPC. So um, 
selling or not selling of that price is a little bit, you know, not the same. So we're trying to clean up the data as much as possible. So step by step, it would look like this. That's simply pasted information from that same exported file. And we are just going to put it into the, into the spreadsheet. And what I will do is I will select the sales column. And I'm going to create a filter first on the whole first row. And in the filter on the sales column, I want to add the condition which will say greater than 20. That means that I want to only keep in the spreadsheet those that are selling more than 20 a month. Okay, so sales data on Helium 10 is estimated, you know, so it is not exactly how many they're selling, but it's pretty good approximation for us. It's a good enough approximation for us to base that data on, okay? So if you did it manually, just completely ignore this, okay? One or two prices in 120 that are, have no sales, they're not so much gonna mess up your numbers. So both ways, you will still have good data, but I prefer to always clean it up like that to remove the slow sellers. And on Helium uh, 10 export, there will be these dollar signs with the sponsored listings, just completely delete those rows, okay? All right. So once you have it all cleaned up and ready, now we will get the full range of prices that exist for your category. And now we will find these numbers. We'll find what is the price that the bargain hunter is paying for your product and the other two. All right. There you go. So now you have this column. So it's just sorted, you know, for yourself, sorted by um, from the biggest to the smallest so that you see the full range. And you simply just have to select it and copy it to a notepad, okay? So you'll have a full range. So now let's take that full range and that's how people who like numbers, they usually have done that sort of research already. So they did look at these prices and they see, okay, most sellers are selling between 1388 and like 1848. So where I'm gonna charge? Middle somewhere, you know, just maybe let's take the average, you know? And they will say, okay, average is 2638. And you will ask Paulina, is average okay? Well, not really. Look, there is one guy, 224. Now, if there would be another guy at 350, he lifts your average, you know? So it's not an average anymore. So it's like if you have more of these outliers that are strange prices on top, they are going to screw up the average, you know? They will change it up. So it's not, not so good. Average is not the best approach here. A very nice approach is to use this mathematical calculator. And don't be scared of the, the view that you get here. So it's a very simple tool online. And I wrote down here the, uh, the URL. It's alcola.com, calculator, statistics, quartiles. It's, I'm not affiliated with it. I just use it. It's a simple calculator someone made to calculate these quartiles. Now you'll say, Paulina, I have never heard of quartiles. This math just makes me scared but you don't have to even know what quartiles are. Like before I started being interesting in profit analytics, I had no idea. All you need to know when it's, so you will paste all of those numbers that you had in a notepad right here. You'll click submit data and it will spit out these three numbers for you. And that's all you care about. 1099, 1693, and 27.99. These are exactly what we are gonna plug into. So the bargain hunter is 1099, the middle 1693 and the 2799. Now you'll say, 
no, I don't believe. How is this magically telling me that from this data? What does it do? Like, Paulina, tell me a little bit more. How did it come up with that? Well, it's here. So it may look confusing, but it's not. Look, your price range for knife sharpener went from 599, from 589, somebody was offering, and somebody selling at 148. I removed the 201 as an outlier. That's the normal price range for the knife sharpeners. But this tool calculated for you that the 50% of all sellers, all listings, lie in this bucket between 10.99 and 27.99, and that's exactly what it's telling you. Look, uh, from 27.99 and 148, there it's like a big price range, right? But only 25% of sellers are selling here, and the other 25 is selling 5.88 to 10.99. So they are playing for the bargain hunter. So it simply splits up nicely. It shows you the 50%, the most dense, where the most sellers are selling. And here now you very nicely see where that middle happens. So 16.93 is the median that the average, you know, that average now became what the average buyer is paying for the knife sharpener. So then you plug in your numbers. And in your particular case, you'll have different numbers here, right? So that means that the first number is for the bargain hunter. He is paying less than 10.99 in your category. And the luxury buyers are spending more than 27.99 on a knife sharpener. And realistically, you think about it, it's true data, you know, knife sharpeners don't go that high. They're sort of like a cheaper item, right? It never goes more than 27. So when you're deciding your price, if you wanna be in that middle bucket because you saw it was green profit, you will think, okay, so I'm gonna charge between 1099 and 2799, somewhere here. I should never charge more than 2799 because that's already a luxury bucket. So it sort of gives you a nice feeling of how your price gonna where your price is gonna lie. All right, so we have one piece of data in. Okay. How is it going, Jerome? Guys I'm, following? I'm I am following. I'm I'm listening, I'm drinking what you're saying. So I'm okay, great. I'm impressed. So we are good to move along, right? Yes. Okay. So next thing you will do for your calculation, we'll calculate these number of competitors. So number of sellers in each of these buckets and the monthly profit that those sellers are making in your category. So count number of competitors, count units sold, and then we'll pick your place. Then we'll decide where is the best place for you to be in your case. All right. So it's very simple. Uh, what you do is remember it was 10.99. So just select in Google Sheet everything that is less than 10.99, including 10.99. And at the bottom of the sheet, you'll see it says count. There's this little nice handy automated uh, formula at the bottom of Google Sheets. Just click it, find the count, and it says 22. It simply means that there is 22 listings for that price, less than 10.99. Okay. So all of them you'll do like this. So you'll just select the price range, like more than $27.99, and then you'll have a numbers. Now this number doesn't tell us much yet because we, don't forget, we took equal parts, 25%, 25%, and 50%. So it's obvious that they're pretty similar on the ends and the middle has the double. So this number doesn't tell you anything yet, but we needed to calculate the next, okay? So the next is, we will estimate the sales. And that is where Jungle Scout extension or Helium extension would come in handy if you can estimate the number of sales that they make, okay? If you want to know the profitability for your category. Uh, so use one of these tools. Uh, 
Now, how you will do it? So you will again take the sales for the same guys that you selected 1099. So what I did is just simply highlighted all of them in one color, like yellow. Anyone less than 1099 is a yellow color. I didn't highlight in this spreadsheet, but actually what, that's how I differentiate it. And then just selected the sales column for the same guys. So anyone who's selling to the bargain hunter, I selected the sales column and checked the sum. How many total number of sales for the bargain hunter salesman there is. And that's how you plug in your numbers. So you basically take those estimates from the tools that you use. There are more tools than Jungle Scout and Helium 10. There's, um, you know, AMZ Scout and um, Unicorn something, Smasher. <laughs> There's a lot of those, you know, and check your own tool, whichever you're using right now. Probably they have an extension or an additional tool that estimates the sales. Many, many tools have that. So it's not stuck to Helium 10. Uh, and then you will have the number of sales. And now look at these numbers. These are interesting. You see there's a little bit less sales, like strongly less sales in this high category. And there's a lot in the bargain hunter category. So actually, knife sharpeners are selling a lot in the cheap count, right? So the sales are high there. Even though seller numbers is similar, right? But the sales in that pricing bucket is smooth. So now if you take uh, the percentage, so now we actually took the percentage of that. So you add those all together, all the units sold, and you will get the percentage in that total, how much of each bucket purchased. It becomes that 44% are actually bargain hunters. So when you look at the knife sharpening as a knife sharpeners as a category, it means that it tends to be something that is appealing to bargain hunters more than anything else. It's the kind of item that is sort of on the cheapo style, you know. It's not a luxury type of item. So there's more of those bargain hunters. So people like to buy cheaper when it's a knife sharpener. It's very interesting information. Now remember that the uh, percentages I showed you, the 24%, 61 15 which was just the averages? Well, look how different they are here. So as I mentioned, these were global averages, just give you a general sense of what exists in the world. But for your specific case, it will be always different. So it's good to make that calculation to make proper judgment, like what exists in your market. And it's very interesting for me, you know, that interesting insight I get. Knife sharpeners, they actually act like scrooges. That means if I'm going to try to sell a luxury item, it will have to be completely awesome, you know. It means that it will be hard to appeal to them, you know, if they will say, but knife sharpen, nah, $45, nah, nah, I'll buy $21 one, you know, so it's like, you will get that resistance, and that gives you that good information, you know, will you get resistance or not, will it be easy to push or not, maybe you'll get these, you know, bargain hunters commenting and reviewing your item saying too expensive, you know, <laughs> and things like that, so you'll have to deal with this issue, and that previous slide just calculation gives you exactly that nice information about your product. Now let's calculate the profit. Each type, how much profit does it bring to the sellers? So all we did is we took the 40% margin, but I did take 20% margin in the bargain hunter area. Now why? Because the bargain hunters' prices are less than 1099, and that means oh, you're working with such slim margins over there, you know, the Amazon fees, Rafaela fees, production, manufacturing, and even if you have the small and light fee, still 
it's very, very tight. And very often, from what I see, people who work in this bucket, they don't have 40% profit margins. They have more like 10 or 20% profit margins in there. So that's why I took 20% margin to calculate this number. And there's the little formulas at the bottom when you're calculating your own. And now we see how much profit in total those all sellers make. And of course, next obvious step is to calculate per seller, per competitor, how much they're making a month. And here's exactly what you see. This is great info to have. Now you see that you could make $21,000 a month profit if you are selling the luxury item as a knife sharpener. And you could make 6,000 here and 3,000 here. So you say, oh, Paulina, I'm gonna be in the luxury buyer category, definitely that's it, that's it. That's right, right? No, it's not, that's not the end of it. That's first good information. But after that comes the next question. You know, when you're picking your place, you're just looking at these three numbers and it, it's very appealing, you know, the, the big number there. But the problem is that you have to invest cash. And the cash investment is going to be different that is required in the luxury buyer category because the price, the item will be ex more expensive. You'll add luxury box and you'll add the stainless steel. You'll, you'll have to, you know, to pay more for your products. And because you're paying more for your products, that means you'll have to have more money to invest. And maybe you are a beginner seller looking at this right now and thinking, Paulina, no, no, I have $2,000 to invest. You know, I don't have. So let's calculate exactly how much money do you need for each bucket in your particular category. Now looking at that product, now you have already how much they're making, each of these guys. Of course you want to be in the luxury buyer category, but can you afford it? That's the question. Can you afford it? And that's what we are gonna calculate next. Can you afford it? Which bucket can you afford to be in? That's the big question. All right, so what we will do next, we'll calculate your costs of goods, We'll estimate Amazon fees, and I'll show you what other expenses are important. So don't be scared of that. It's not going to be a huge, big math. We will go through a little bit of math, but I'll just explain it clearly. It will be very easy for you to understand. All right? And then we'll get your cost per unit. Yeah, you're following? Still not, <laughs> not fall asleep? Okay, good. Because the topic is quite boring. You agree, guys? You know, when you think about accounting and, you know, Numbers is just oh, boring. And when I design, when I developed Shopkeeper, actually, I always had that in mind. I'm the kind of person who likes everything simple, clear, clean, obvious, no like some strange, you know. So actually, if you sign up for Shopkeeper trial, which I highly recommend, obviously, uh, you will see that the way I designed it is you see only simple three numbers that you need now. And then you click on it to see more data, click on it to see more data. So it's all very, very simple and accounting becomes not boring, you know, and uh, that's, I am all about that to make accounting not boring for people. Okay, let's move on. I like it. <laughs> so when I was a young seller, when I started long time ago in the gold rush times, um, I thought that you know, I had this little sheet that I made for myself. I thought, okay, I'll price it at 1995. And that's all I had on my sheet. Manufacturing, shipping, there's referral fee, you know, 15% and FBA fee. And that's it. You know, the profit I'll make $9. And maybe some of you already have that kind of sheet going, you know, and probably most of us do on, on somewhere in Google Sheets, you have that. And it pretty much gives you an, some information, but it's actually very, very misleading information 
because like I mentioned before, there are 72 more and plus fees and charges that Amazon has. Well, um, many of them are not so important. And I'll tell you which ones are important and which ones are not. So you don't have to think, oh my God, 72 fees, I'm going to have to count now. No, we will not go through all of them. So look, uh, uh, shopkeeper, when you click on the breakdown button, for example, your profit was 7 million pounds, and then you click the breakdown to see what that was, you will see all of these different things going on here. And look, there's all kinds of things, FBA fee, monthly storage fee, bubble wrap fee, disposal fee, lightning deal fee, coupon redemption fee, you know, there's like sales tax, payable, PPC, admissions, corrections, shipping, holdback. Oh my God. You know, there's like every seller has many different cases, many different things. But seeing many, many of these accounts, I know that not all of them are essential. Not all of them repeat a lot. So we will do a good approximation of only the most important ones. Okay. So I'll, for some of them, you can completely ignore, you know, when you're making your pricing because we will add a little bit of bulk at the end, just a little bit percentage to just hold up for those extra fees. So here is a table. On the left is what I had, and on the right is what I should have had when I started. So these are the 12 different categories of costs that you have to account for, and we will go through each of these question marks right now together. And then we'll fill those in and we'll calculate what exactly profit you can make. Okay. Are you ready for this? It's not going to be hard at all. I'm ready. We'll go very easy with the pictures like this. All right. So manufacturing related, most people are just thinking about the cost of production and maybe inspection. They don't add in molds fee into this cost or design or like special tests that they have to go through. And they usually say, oh, but my other products are making profit already. I'll just cover it from other business expenses. It's only one-time expense anyway. Well, actually, if you're a new seller, you know, you don't have those other business <laughs> income, you know, that you can cover. How You don't have somewhere else to cover it from. And even if it's one time, you still need to have that cost into your pricing for the first 500 units batch. Let's say you buy 500 units. You will charge it like this. And later, when the mold fee not going to apply for the next batch, then you will recalculate and charge less because you want to make money right away. You don't want to lose your money. You know, it will be already hard enough with the new product, new system, PPC, problem solving stuff you will have a hard time already. So include all of your costs in it. That's my recommendation. And in my case, for the knife sharpener, it's $5.99, including design mold production and everything. That's what I will put in into my manufacturing related role. Next row, shipping related. Again, don't just put in C shipping and that's it. Put in all the other things per unit, like import tax, you know, check your... Um, HS code, you know, on the US customs database and check what percentage of import tax you will get and calculate for 500 units how much you're going to get charged, you know, and how much that turns out to be per unit. So do that calculation. Other things like customs bond and stuff, uh, you'll have to talk to your freight forwarder and they will just tell you all the fees, take that, divide by 500 units, so you'll get per unit cost. So just add very nicely your shipping related costs. That's your second row. Okay, in my case, 93 cents. Okay. Next, next important one is storage fees. I'm using again Helium 10. I like those guys. Um, 
we are friends, they estimate the fees and they have the actual number that they present storage fees. But if you don't have Helium 10, it's very easily found in Seller Central help. You just go to Seller Central, in the help section, you type in storage fees. And then there's formulas and actual fees that it costs. You can just calculate it manually as well. So estimated time and storage, I would calculate for your product five months because in the beginning, it will be slow sales. It will not sell out in one month. It's not a repeat reorder, right? It's a first time. It will take time to start rolling. You don't want it more than five months because after six months, they will start charging you long-term storage fee. You know, so you want to keep it less than six months. So that's what I would estimate for your monthly storage fee. Count, take the five months, and then take these two numbers here. With see from January to September, you're charged this much. October to December, this much. Sort of take the uh, proportional average there, and you will get your number. In my case, that is forty cents. Okay, so look, twenty cents, seventy cents, approximately forty cents. I'm gonna pay per unit sold for five months of storage. So, you know, divided by five months, that's about like eight cents a month I'm gonna pay. But that's how much I am budgeting. I am just budgeting for five months of sitting there and paying the storage fee. Next row, it's refunds related. And now for that one, you have to prepare your mind, okay? If you were daydreaming, doing something in the Google Sheet, come back and just listen for that section. <laughs> All right, let's go with it. Now, why refunds related is very important. Look, uh, this is a breakdown of a refunded order in Shopkeeper. So when you look, the order was refunded and you do an, a breakdown. On the left, the green side, is everything that happened when it was bought, when it was sold. And on the right, the red side, is everything that happened when it was refunded. So look, Principle means that you got $18.99 $18 when you sold your unit, but when it was refunded, Amazon took it back from you. You know, $18.99 was taken back. And then referral fees, you paid to 85, but it was refunded to you when a refund came in. You don't have to pay those anymore. Now you'll see left and right, left and right, what is not refunded? What doesn't come back to you? Well, FBA fee doesn't come back to you. You see is not given to you back. So you spend it and that's a part of your cost of your refund. And also, there's refund administration fee that gets charged. And in my case, returns processing fee as well, equal to FBA fee. And I'll get into that. You'll see what, what, what was this additional returns processing fee? I'll tell you about that. But the point is that it's important to know, like, for example, Shopkeeper shows here that it costs you $7.53 for each unit that gets refunded. It's important to know that number so that you can budget later. Okay, so for refunds, I'll have a little bit of cushion in my price so that when the refunds start coming in, I'm not going to like lose my profit, the 40% margin that I dream about, you know, so you don't have to chip away into it. You'll prepare for it in advance. And that's exactly how we will do it. So here, that's the same FBA fee you saw in the previous page, the same administration fee and the same returns processing fee, right? It's the same thing. Now, that administration fee will be different just use this formula here um, for your particular product and you'll have to look up FBA fee you can use FBA fee calculator uh, just google that and look it up from there now returns processing fee only applies to these categories apparel watches jewelry and so on this is a special kind of thing when Amazon allows people to try on the dress 
and return it for free. And guess who is paying for the Rift return? You are paying for the processing that Amazon has to do to put it back in stock. So actually, Amazon is charging you. Maybe it's not so apparent from Seller Central and all the fees that they list, but they are charging you in these categories, and I am in apparel category, and I also sell backpacks, and it seems like what's, who's going to try on the backpack and send back? Well, actually, I still have to pay the returns processing fee. In your case, you have to think about your category. Are you one of those? If not, just skip that one. Okay, so all we did is just calculated these three, and the red is a sum of that. So that means if the item came back to you, so let's say they tried on the dress and brought it back, and you can still sell that dress after they tried it on, it means it only costs you $4.08. This is sellable refunded unit. Okay, so first point for you to calculate is how much it costs for you to get a refund sellable when it's still sellable. Now, next, we have to also think about those that are unsellable, okay? So, there's nothing complex here. There's, again, three, four columns, same thing like before. Now, what's added is your cost of manufacturing and shipping and also disposal because when it's not sellable, you'll have to either remove it from the warehouse or dispose it with Amazon services, and that will cost you, in my case, 30 cents, but you'll have to look up FBA removal and disposal order fees on Seller Central to get exact fee. All right, this cost of manufacturing and shipping you already calculated in the previous steps, just add the first two rows and you'll get this number. So when you have all this data, just add these five numbers together and you'll get 1130 in my case. This is how much unsellable refunded unit costs me, okay? So now you have two numbers. One was for sellable and one was for unsellable refund. So now we plug those in here. So 408 is for the sellable and 11.30 for unsellable refund. Average is actually 7.69. But when you're counting your average, don't just take 50-50. Think about like this. For example, if you're selling shoes, most shoes will get refunded, they can be sold again, right? That means you'll get like 90% sellable items. So take 90% of this number in that formula. You know, or maybe all of them, like a knife sharpener, they will use it, they will damage with dust inside, they cannot, you cannot sell those anymore ever again, like they damage the packaging or something. That means you have 90% of unsellable items, so take 90% of this number. So judge your own situation, okay? In my case, it was 769. Now, the refund rate is the next thing you'll have to estimate. And it's hard to do for someone who has only started selling on Amazon and you don't know what to expect. But you could actually Google what's the normal, like if you are in apparel, you know, what's normal refund rate for apparel category. Also, it's available on Facebook groups uh, for Amazon sellers. You could ask, you know, and they will share like for categories, what is the normal thing. Normally, Amazon is between 2% and 15%. 15% is high, that's for like apparel, you know, and then... Um, Things that people try on and send back is a very high refund rate usually. And if you sell groceries, food, chocolate bars, 2% they have. In my case, knife sharpener, about 7%. And if you don't know your number, just put also 7%, somewhere in the middle, because it's going to be uh, on average true. Normally, if you go over 10% or if you go over the normal rate, Amazon will suspend your listing saying that your refund rate is too high, you know, and so on. So you could Google about that topic as well a little bit. At what point they will suspend you and you will know your uh, refund rate estimate. Now you will go through this little bit of math here. 
to come out with how much you actually will cost you per unit. All I'm doing here is taking a hundred units. You pretend that you're going to sell a hundred units. Okay. And if it's 7% refund rate means seven of them will be costing you something, right? So you calculate, okay, my cost per unit refunded 769. If seven, I get refunded. So $53.83 is my total cost per hundred units. And that means that 53 cents is actually your cost that you should budget for in your price. So for my knife sharpener on that row that is refund related row, I will write 53 cents in advance. I'm budgeting for the refunds that are going to come in. And it's a very good approximation here. Is everything clear, Jerome, yet? Is there yes. anything mixed? It is very clear. Okay, good to know. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to not so much math anymore. I'm just going to talk in general terms. It's important to also budget for your PPC. Very important. Uh, PPC is sponsored ads. For those who don't know, uh, Amazon has this term ACOS. And when you don't know PPC, and when I started, I thought, oh, PPC is so complex. This ACOS, ACOS, I don't, my brain hurts. I don't want to think about it. But actually, it's very simple. You don't use the word ACOS. Let's use the word add cost of revenue. It just simply means when they say ACOS is 90%, it means that whenever you take your revenue, your price, 90% of it is your ad spend. So it's 90% of your price. That's your ACOS, basically. That's what they're saying. Now, why we are looking at this value at all? Why we care how much of your revenue is the ad cost? Well, when you go to these apps who automate PPC for you, they will usually suggest options like this, what you see on the screen. Like 70% and more will be suggested when you're doing a clearance of some item. They will say you should set your target A cost, target ad cost to reach 70% of your revenue if you want to clear it. And for the profit option, if you want to keep making profit and run PPC, they are going to suggest 15 to 40%. And you'll notice the 40%, because like I said, 40% very often is private labelers profit margin. You will always want your ad cost to be less than your profit margin in order to make some money, right? Because your profit margin also means how much of your price is your profit. The same thing, how much of your price is your ads, you know? So these are two similar things. And you will always want to keep your A cost, that number less than your profit, all right? That's then, all it is. Just presenting these three numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Where did you? Uh, where did you? Uh, those numbers came from. That from your experience, or because that's. It's that's, one of the apps that I looked up. Okay. Because it's a high. Numbers. Yeah, it's a high percentage. Uh, indeed, like forty percent is. You need a like you need eighty percent margin to <laughs> give forty percent of your revenue. In ads this rate. is very high numbers indeed. It's just example that I took. I've seen this all around. Like usually apps that are automating PPC, they don't let you configure anything else except that A cost percentage, you know. And then they are suggesting this is for launch. This is so launch. Usually you want to give away the items, so they are giving it away, you know, for free almost. Mm. That's that's what they're doing. So exactly, your question was, look how much price actually. If my price was 1995, look 1795. I'm gonna pay for this case just for the ads. That's crazy, you know. And here, they're saying for profitable item, 30 to 40 percent revenue. I would pay like from six to eight dollars per item. I would 
pay on PPC in order to, to get there. So it's like very, very high. So what all you have to think about is in this case that it's $8 maximum you can spend on your ads if you still want to be profitable or break even. In your case, you just take 1995, the initial price, because you will always have some initial price that you already think about, okay? So take that price and think 40%, and whatever 40% is, that is your maximum you want to spend on ads. But in reality, not all the sales gonna come from PPC. When you're running PPC, some of them will be organic sales, and some of them will be PPC sales. So you cannot really budget in your price, always only, you know, PPC items going to sell. You think that, of course, I'll sell some organically as well. Definitely, I'll sell organic. Because of that, we are not going to take 40%. We will only take 20%. Because some organic, some PPC, in the middle, you know, you will spend about 20% of your price. So that is $4 in my case. And it's exactly what I recommend. In your case, take the price that you initially thought of take the 20% and that's how much is your budget for PPC. And PPC, once you start running it, you will likely never turn it off. Do you agree with me, Jerome? You will just keep running it because your organic ranking can be affected. Yeah, we, it's better to reduce um, spend but never stop it, yes. Yeah, because I, you don't want to suddenly, it's just so correlated to orga with organic ranking that it's scary to pause it or turn it off. And also the system works well. It needs time to, and a lot of data to improve itself. So if you stop it, then it will stop to learn. So you don't, you never want to stop it to, otherwise you're wasting or you're losing. It's like throwing away everything you've been doing. So, yeah. Makes sense. There you go. So that's your budget. Let's go to promos. Promos is just something that I actually have a lot of other presentations about. I will not go into that. There's a lot of interesting pricing psychology, like how much the coupon value should be comparing to the price, you know, how to make it easily comprehensible, what digits to use, you know, percentage or value and so on. If you're curious about it, you can just uh, YouTube me, you know, just put Paulina, Mason, Mason with double S, and put pricing psychology and you'll get all of these answers to how to use coupons and interesting things and promos. All I wanted to say is that you have to use coupons. It gives you better click-through into the listing and it gives you more visibility of your listing. It's just, it's very, very handy to use coupons always at all times because most sellers are not using, so the green highlights there very brightly on that page. You will want to use it all the time. But there is coupon redemption fee, 60 cents coupon redemption fee. In my experience, actually, not everyone applies the coupon who buys it. Look, you know, when you go into the listing, there's this checkbox called coupon, you know, and you have to click into it in order to apply the coupon. And many buyers are not tech savvy enough to know that they have to do it. And they actually go and buy it for the regular price. Even though they came and they saw the deal, they still go and buy it at regular price because they didn't know to apply the coupon. So in my case, I have observed that only every third buyer out of all buyers are applying the coupon. So it's not gonna be 60 cents redemption fee per coupon, but actually only 20 cents if we are thinking each unit sold. Okay, so I would budget 20 cents for coupons if you're gonna run the coupons and I highly recommend running them. Now, for the promos line, you could also run other things like lightning deals. 
you could have other kinds of promos that you're offering, you know, when you buy two items and so on. So you could budget all of that in as well. But when you're new and you're just launching the product, probably you don't want to do any of those yet because you don't know about them. I put zero in my case because I'm not going to do those yet. Only I will run the coupons. So that line becomes 20 cents for me. Amazon prep fees. Let's talk about that a little bit. Sometimes, you know, when you're creating your shipment on Amazon Seller Central, it asks you, it says, you know, who is doing the prep? And is it Amazon or the merchant? And usually I always say the merchant because my manufacturer in China is labeling and bagging and packing for me. But some sellers like to just send into Amazon and they are labeling and packing for you, you know? So... If you do that, you'll have to look up on Amazon Seller Central the exact fees that you're paying and you have to budget that in obviously into your price. In my case, it's zero because I get it all done at the manufacturer in China. The next very important one is sales tax. Now, this is a complex topic, so I'm not going to go into that. Um, Jerome is from Europe, so he knows a lot about VAT, and that will apply in your case if you are from Europe as well, right? So you have to think about, okay, if it's going to be 20% VAT in UK, so I should put 20% in my price because I'll have to actually collect it and then later remit it to the government, right? So you have to think about how much tax is inside your price. Now, if, it, if you are in the United States, the tax applies on top of the price so it's not the same and then i have hst in canada so it's like all different cases and i'll not go into them just keep in mind that you have to um, nicely budget for that as well uh, here's a slide from shopkeepers so this guy is selling uh, origami book uh, united kingdom and here is the breakdown so you see that there is tax that he collected so that 20 percent and there are some special cases sometimes. For example, there was shipping, which Amazon did the shipping. And they actually showing it in your transactions. Look, there is shipping chargeback as well. So shipping and shipping chargeback is actually Amazon fulfilled shipping. They simply are showing it in your transactions always. But the key here is that shipping tax, there's no chargeback for that. So they're doing the shipping. You didn't even do it, but they collected the tax for the shipping. And now you actually have to collect that tax and remit it at the end into the government. So shopkeeper shows you that amount. So you have to think about those details when you are thinking about the row of your sales tax. Think about that as well. You know, it's not going to be only the 20% in UK. You know, you may have also, you know, there's the shipping tax at the, or all these other things, consult with your accountant, basically, on that. In United States, many of the states are now automatically, Amazon is collecting tax on your behalf. It's called facilitator tax. You can Google it. And some, some of the states don't have it yet. And if you're residing in one of these states which doesn't have it yet, uh, then you'll have to set your manual settings if you want to collect the tax or not. In my case, it's zero. I am um, from... Canada, my company is Canadian, even though I'm in Turkey. So I have zero uh, tax. So my line is zero, actually, in the United States or United States product. And there will be other business expenses, such as, you know, subscriptions for apps, like shopkeeper subscription or photographers and VAs. So take a little bit of cushion. I usually just take 5% on top of them. So if the price was $20, take 5%. 
you know, to cushion all of these other things that are unexpected, you know, and those little fees that I said you might not know about, this is going to cover it, 5%. So now look at the same situation. You thought, or I thought, that I was making $9 in profit. Actually, after all of this, it was more like 45 cents per item. You know, if that, maybe refunds more higher or something. So it's very important to have very, very good approximation like this for your own product. So now, once you have that table and ready to go, now from here, we can design your price. We can already structure your price, how much you're going to charge. All I'm going to do is I will select all of these costs and use this formula here. So it's just the sum of all of them divided by 0 0.80. Now, why 0 0.80? Because 20% of the margin is eaten up, budgeted for PPC, and I actually want after that to make 20% pure profit. That's why it's divided by 0 0.80, because I'm leaving 20% margin that I wish to have when I add all on top of these costs. And it turns out that the suggested price here is 24.38. Right? 24.38 is what the formula will give you when you put that in. Now you will say, Paulina, but I remember you said not to use fours and eights and whatever. Exactly. So you'll take the ugly price and you'll make it pretty price. In this case, 24.38, no, no, I will never use that. I will use 25.99 or 23.99 if I have to cut my margin a little bit. But I will make the price pretty as well, just using the same rules like in the beginning I was describing. Okay. Now, when you plug that new price, you'll have to update two lines. Because the referral fee is a percentage of the price, you'll have to update that. And PPC, because we budgeted 20%, you'll update that as well. You'll take 20% and update it. And it looks like you will be making $4.38 in profit per every unit sold for your item. Okay, so profit margin when you're doing PPC unit will be 17 profit margin. Organic unit sold 36%. So it's very nice with PPC in mind that's a very good price to go, $25.99. And now remember there was this $10.99 and $27.99. Now take this $25.99. Oh, cool. You know, I'm in the middle somewhere. So I'm not like an outlier. I am happy. You know, I am serving these average in the middle. You know, it's a nice, I am happy that I didn't overprice it, you know, because when you add all of your costs and you suddenly see that you are much more expensive than all your competitors, you know, it becomes disappointing, like, oh, okay, maybe actually is not going to work this product for me. It becomes too expensive for me to do it. Maybe they are getting a good price or something. They are producing it somewhere cheaply. You know, maybe it's not so good. So once you are within that frame in the middle, you know that your price is reasonable, you know, so uh, you can actually charge it proudly. Now let's go back to this main question we, like, calculated the cost because we needed to calculate this cash investment. Remember, you said, I want to be here in the 21,000. And I said, wait, wait, wait. So now once you have your cost and you exactly know how much your cost will be costing you, now you can calculate for each of the kinds. Okay. So in my case, I will be buying 500 units and I will be just taking manufacturing and shipping. 
to calculate the cost. The rest will be covered from your revenue. You don't need upfront cost of that, right? When you sell something, you will pay from that referral fee and NFBA fee. There is no upfront cost for storage fees or PPC, nothing. Just manufacturing related and shipping related upfront costs, and that's what you take. Just these two multiplied by 500, you'll get your cost of investment required. And if you want to play in the middle bucket, that's exactly how much you need in terms of cash to buy the first 500 units. Okay, but let's think about it now. Okay, so I am gonna be here. You remember I was showing you this, and then you will say, Paulina, oh, maybe I want to calculate this box, you know, like maybe I can manage, you know, the 21,000 uh, uh, profit, you know, I want to make that much. Let me see if I can actually manage. Remember when I was saying, you know, versus, now, there's a little problem with that bucket. It's sometimes, and in this case, is the true that it's not always easy to just a little bit upgrade the cheap product to make it appealable to the luxury buyer. In this case, it is not enough to add the luxury box and so on, so you suddenly can charge $100. If you go back and look at those expensive items, and I did that on my products, on knife sharpeners, I see that those expensive items are completely something different. They're unique, it's the only one of a kind. They're like electric knife sharpener or something actually expensive. It's completely different game there. And what does that naturally mean to you? That means your manufacturing cost will be much higher. It's not gonna be the cheap $5.99 anymore, it will be $25.99 to buy one item, right? Because it's something like electric item and you'll have to buy a lot of units for that, right? So in reality, if you buy the same 500 units for that cost, it becomes $14,000 that you need investment. And that's not the full picture, right? It's not gonna be only 14,000 and you're done with it. Actually, you will order, you'll bring to Amazon, it will start selling, it will sell half of it, you need to reorder already because it takes one month to manufacture, one month to ship by sea, one month something else. You need to reorder in the middle of it, you didn't even collect your money back yet. So you'll need about half as much on top of it to do the reorder. Some you'll have already collected from the revenue, and some you'll need your own cash to cover that new order. So basically you need 14 plus 7,000 in reality, you know, to cover this. You'll say, oh, Paulina, all these numbers, I only have like 1,000, you know, <laughs> let's calculate this box. How much is this box? Okay, let's calculate this box. All right, that's where many beginners start looking at. So, manufacturing related, actually, it would not go so much lower. Even if you tell your manufacturer, okay, let's strip this, change this, change that, make it cheap, 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 they will still not cut the price like 90%. They'll cut it a little bit, you know, like 20%. It's never gonna be completely uh, smaller. So it was, you know, 5.99 uh, or like, even the best you can get is 2.99 for knife sharpener. You know, you cannot make it 20 cents. And shipping related will be same because it's the same size. So you're not saving that much by going in terms of the cost. So in that bucket, you will need 1,960 and to buy 500 units. And in reality, you need another thousand, like I said, for reorder. So another half of it for reorder. So look, you need $3,000 to work in this bucket. Okay. So, now you will say, oh, Paulina, wait, wait. So in this bucket, in the bargain hunter bucket, 
you said that the profits are very low. And yes, look, I didn't even budget for PPC because I made my price 1099. Manufacturer didn't didn't lower their price that much. I added all the other fees. I even deleted the PPCs, deleted the coupons, and I'm still only making two cents profit. You know, it's very hard to make it work in that price range. So my personal recommendation is not to start working in that bucket. This bucket is very hard to work in, but I remember I was in Israel presenting um, uh, something similar on this topic and one of the sellers came to me and says, Paulina, you don't recommend sellers to sell for the bargain hunters, but actually I make seven figures a month selling to bargain hunters. So it's possible. You can work there, but it's an advanced area. So this area right here is advanced for advanced sellers. Once you know what you're doing, once you know how to cut your costs, how to use the, you know, this light and small fee, how it's going to apply and all of these things. Once you have it figured out and neat, that's not the first timer's place. So you are left with the other two depending on your budget. Of course, in this case, looks like the best place to be is this one. But, you know, it all depends on your particular situation. All right. So... With my knife sharpener, I decided I'll go in the middle. I don't have, you know, so much money to invest and I may be risking such a big amount for my product. You know, I want to start smaller, so I'm just going to go with the middle. So that's my decision. And when you're judging your situation, decide all of these factors, think about all of these factors, put them together, and then you'll know. So now you know you're going to be $25.99. Well, now you can go to your manufacturer and you can say, all right, let's make this product kind of appealing to these guys too because on the, it's on the edge, closer to the luxury. Let's make it good, you know, and try to make pictures as luxury looking as possible. Pictures are what's going to make itself a higher price. So just, you know, focus on the pictures. And then from basically everything starts with the price and from there goes your product strategy. You know, maybe you should save on storage fees because it's like knife sharpener takes too much space. Okay, let's like design a smaller box because we'll take less, less space for storage fees. All the things will go from that price, you know. So start there and then decide everything else about your product. I just want to briefly mention about starting price for new launches. Um, you know, there's your break-even and there's ideal, like I said, 40%, okay? And we were also saying that if you have PPC, you're going to be making 20% margin because the rest of your budget is going to go away for PPC spend. Uh, so when you launch, I recommend to start with a price that is sort of like 10% of the profit margin. Don't start right away with the biggest price that you wish to have. To have a good launch, because in the beginning you will be in the sandbox and it's gonna do that testing. Algorithm will test how it's selling, you know? So if it's smaller price, it's more likely to sell more units and then you will have a momentum going and then you can slowly increase your price. So in our particular case, it was $25.99. You know, when it's organic sale, we were making 36% margin and PPC sale, 17% margin. So with launch, I would recommend 8%. And the beautiful price, beautified price, so it's not a 10% because 10% was not a beautiful price. Beautiful price, $21.99, using the odd and 99 ending, just like I mentioned. And one question, Paulina, is about uh, what were you seeing in terms of organic versus paid in terms of your sales? How much percent was organic? 
versus minus half and half. So most of what I presented today is based on half and half assumption. But in very often when you launch, most of your sales will be PSPC and very few organic. And later that turns around, right? Very often you reduce your PPC and then you have more organic and less. So I just took half and half estimate to make it easier calculation here. So basically but your margin is like more like 24% probably if you have half and half. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Okay. okay. Um, to just to cover one small point on top of that now new sellers might ask you know why I cannot like uh, start with a super low price maybe I'll start with my break-even price you know and later get to that 25.99 maybe I'll just start with 15.99 well I do not recommend starting with your break-even at all even if you want to launch with a boom you know now why because Amazon doesn't let you lift the price like this the jump like that cannot happen easily what happens you will say it takes away your buy box and you'll say, I don't care about buy box. I'm like the only seller on my buy box because I'm private label seller. Actually, you can lose your own buy box when you are the only seller on your box. Look, that's, I'll show you how it looks like. So this is when you have a buy box. It's add to cart button, the price is here and so on. And now you suddenly boosted the price to something like very crazy jump. Amazon thought, wait, wait, no, no, that's too much. And it will take away your buy box. If you raise the price too quickly, look what happens. You get now see all buying options and available from these sellers. And this kills your conversions like crazy. It just completely kills your conversions. That's why you should never jump with the price very quickly. Or, I mean, you can try if it works fantastic. You know, if it doesn't lose the buy box, it's fantastic. But very often you will not be able to so you'll have to like from that 1599 you'll say okay tomorrow let's make 1699 and then tomorrow 1799 and then you lose the buy box and then, oh, okay back to this let's wait two more days okay back to that and then just, it's just like takes forever to get to 2599 so if you start a little bit higher you know like 2199 you'll just raise your price slowly to 2599 there's less hoops to go over to. so just because of that i recommend starting with it so this would be my recommendation. So in general, from my presentation, what you saw, you saw how to define your opportunity. Look at these three guys, you know, you put your numbers in there, you calculated exactly your costs and many sellers are missing the points. The most important from what I was talking today is the refunds budgeting, how much your refunds cost, you should know that. And budgeting for PPC in advance, you know, putting the molds like, so all these costs are very important. And then you'll know your profit margin. That is the wish you wish for 40% and then you'll, you'll get it, you know. So start from the bottom and you'll get to where you want to be. Ha, ah, look at this slide. So I showed shopkeepers so much, so much, so much. And probably you became curious and maybe even Googled while I was talking, what's that shopkeeper? Uh, I actually will give you a gift because you attended the webinar. So normally we have only 14 day trial. I'll give you 60 days free trial. And that will give you enough time to look at your profit and loss report, check how much each unit the refund is costing you, you know, and just um, be able to optimize your, um, your fees and costs much better. So to use that uh, coupon, you'll have to go to our website, shopkeeper.com, and you'll see this little orange bubble in the corner. So just click there and type in Stingray 180. New conversation and Stingray 180, okay? And then you will get your 
60-day free trial. All right? Great. That's awesome. Thank you very much. So um, my takeaways on what you said was the first thing is find a, a pricing which was an odd number and try to, f to play with that. The second thing was uh, look at all, all the different costs before you, you leave. And one thing we usually say also is anything below 10 euros, we say actually anything below 15 euros is very difficult to make a profit on. Uh, and the final thing, uh, which we, I actually work a lot with, with uh, a lot of our customers is to increase the prices as, as much as possible to show value rather than go only down uh, lower. Um, and then have a lot of issues. So um, I think that that's great. I we had a we had a question actually from Raul about regarding coupons. Um, he he was asking if there is a way you can find out average buyers who avail the coupons. Do you mean how many buyers will not use the coupon and apply the coupon? I'm just from my experience is every third, but that's the approximation, you know. Actually, you'll be even making more money when you use coupons, right? Because they will be clicking into because of the good deal, but in reality, they'll be paying full price, you know, two out of three, at least in my case. So, because of this technical quirk. So, I would just say you can just, you know, estimate it to be one out of three. And it will be a good approximation, you know. Um, other than that, you'll have to test and see, you know, how many total buy purchases you had and how many coupons were claimed, and you'll see your own numbers. Mm, yeah, well, it's like a, many times on Amazon, you have to test uh, better, better test and test different prices, different uh, things to see how it goes. My advice is often to start, as you said, is try to start as high as possible. Because it's always easier to go down, or if you have to move up, to move up the small small pieces. But from on Amazon, if you have to move up, it's much uh, much harder than the other way around. So uh, I think yeah, that, that's dropping awesome. the prices is much easier, and actually, is it's a good pricing strategy, starting high as well. Uh, I yeah. like that idea. And there was a point where we you were saying, okay, you have your twenty five ninety nine price, and you start at twenty one ninety nine. You can still set as MSRP your twenty five ninety nine, and actually make a discount, um, like a, a deal on it to get down to twenty one ninety nine with a coupon. Yeah, a coupon? like four dollars off. Yeah. So that people yeah. sort of the level of the MSRP level is set, and the value of the product is set at a price, and they get a special uh, offering fee which uh, I think it's also boost, boosting the organic side of your ranking to have advertise, uh, to have um, promotions. So uh, I agree. That would be a great strategy. $25.99, $4 coupon. And, and, but it, it's and funny some of them will pay full price. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, from my background from retail, we would do 49, like $9.99. You had several buckets like $9.99. Twelve ninety nine, fourteen ninety nine, and then after it's like nineteen ninety nine. So this this idea of testing with odd numbers and and probably not going at an exact like the normal retail uh, pricing is a great thing. Is a great insight. And like if you have uh, a price which is nineteen ninety nine, do you think is a good price or is it like 
would ninety-seven ninety-nine be smarter or nineteen ninety-nine is a great price point? You mean nineteen ninety-seven? Yeah, or uh, 97 99 or 99 97. I think 99 makes sense, the dot 99, but like, does it make sense? I think to have a, because when you add seven, you add another digit, which is different, like a, a little bit complexity adds in, right? Even though seven is a nice number, but you're adding complexity. Compare those two prices, you know, 1997 or 1999. Like, which one is quicker, easier to comprehend? The 1999, because yeah, it's, it's just like nice. so smoothly. Yeah. Okay. Mm, and that's a rule I usually follow, yeah. Yeah, okay, so uh, spending a lot of time to looking at what the competitors are doing uh, and then trying to adapt, I think is, is a great insight. We have a new uh, question. How can 1P vendor vendors influence Amazon to reduce price once we reduce the cost price to them? <laughs> Amazon does not show reduction in price right away. So that's more so for the vendor side. Yeah, that's more for the vendor uh, uh, vendor side. Um, the the best way to do that is to enforce uh, uh, promotions uh, to try to have lightning deals or coupons, and that will uh, start to drive the price down. To be honest, usually Amazon is quite quick to reduce the price. If they don't, is that they feel the conversion rate is correct at that price. So the systems probably believes it would not sell much more by reducing the price. It will only delete its margin. So it's probably a sign you shouldn't have reduced the cost. If you want any way to reduce the cost, then if you're selling it on another way or if you have a hybrid strategy with a seller account, you could try to set the, the price lower and then Amazon will follow straight away. But normally they they tend to go quicker to reduce the price and not to reduce the price. So it, usually it's it's most prob most people have a problem because Amazon is going too low. So in your case, um, for me as a consultant, we always try to help uh, brands to have their prices as high as possible, and believing that because you're cheaper you will do a lot more sales for me is is sometimes questionable uh in terms of you probably will you're damaging a lot your value your face value and and the profit you're making but you i mean we could go if you you can contact us and we can have a look at your specific case vendors a lot of fun with a vendor but obviously on the vendor yeah, you're yeah, on the vendor account, we cannot control we cannot control the 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 end user price. So uh, you can only control mm. the the, the cost. cost price, indeed. So thank you, mm -hmm. Marvin. Yeah. Anybody's got any uh, any other question on the really a good um, uh, pricing topic? I opened the uh, uh, poll about. If, if how good would the webinar? So thank you very much. See that already most of you have, have responded. Anybody else got any question? One, two, three, very good. So I, I leaves me to say thank you very much to everyone and specifically uh, to Paulina. It was great having you and Okay. I will I will keep in mind that try to not the cheapest is not, not always the best solution as most expensive is probably a bit too complex and being in the good middle high middle is is a good solution. So 
that's a great learning for today. Thank you very much, Paulina. Thank you, everyone, and have a good evening. And see you soon. Bye-bye.